Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. I think you're really going to be excited uh, today as I am. Uh, I'm interviewing Johnny Jones, the head coach at Texas Southern University. Johnny and I worked together at LSU for a couple of years. He is flat out one of the superstar people in our business. Uh, he's a lifer. Uh, he's been doing this for th- you know about 30 years. And he is just a fabulous human being, a hell of a coach. And you know he's coached at every single level, having worked for the iconic Dale Brown at LSU as an assistant going up to Memphis, being an interim head coach, working, you know, for Mark Gottfried at Alabama as an assistant, and then being a head coach at North Texas State, having incredible success, coming back to his alma mater, LSU, for five years and crushing it, and then having Ben Simmons, the number one player in the draft, uh, an all-star NBA player. Uh, Now, as the head coach, went out with Eric Musselman last year to Nevada, had a phenomenal year, and now I think, you know, at Texas Southern University as the head coach, has had three huge upsets in the non-conference schedule over Baylor, a highly ranked Oregon team, 
and then recently Texas A&M, all on the road. A uh, guy can flat out coach, but most importantly, he knows our business and he's an all-star man. And so I think you're really going to enjoy Johnny Jones. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you are a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash Interzone. That's I-N-N-E-R-Z-O-N-E. So excited today, our podcast guest at Coaching You is my dear friend, Johnny Jones, the head coach of Texas Southern University. Welcome, Coach. Thanks for having me on, B. Uh, man, we miss you and uh, always following your pod and uh, excited to be on with you. Well, you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to go all over the place this morning. But, you know, when I when I came to uh, honor to serve uh, with you at LSU, um you know, we didn't have a background really beforehand, but I was blown away by Johnny Jones, the person, and still am. I'm a huge fan, uh, and, and you know, you've been in our business so long, you've d- excelled every step of the way, no matter what role you were in. When you finished playing at LSU, why did you want to go into coaching? Well, I tell you, initially, uh, my whole thing was like anybody else that's playing. I wanted to be a player and wanted to continue playing and get go off and play in the NBA, then come back and support and watch basketball and, and enjoy it from afar. But uh, I was very fortunate that uh, Dale Brown uh, saw something in me uh, as a player uh, at the time and asked me to uh, stick around and, and work as a, uh, a student assistant at the time while I was uh, continuing uh, working on my degree. And uh, that year uh, it happened and things really just fell in place for us. We had a full-time assistant wind up leaving in Tex Winters who um, had been picked up by uh, the Chicago, uh, Chicago Bulls uh, and, and Phil Jackson at the time. And when coach asked if I would love, would like to continue coaching and serve in a full-time capacity uh, after uh, that one year as a student assistant, um, I was excited about the opportunity and uh, being on the road and recruiting and, and having a chance to continue to watch uh, and, and learn under Coach Brown and the other assistants he had on the staff there. And things just took off. And I've been so passionate about it uh, from that day that I certainly owe all that credit to Coach Brown for seeing something in me at that time and hadn't looked back. And it's given me an opportunity to impact a lot of guy, guys' lives over the years. And uh I'm uh, certainly thankful and blessed for that. You know, I, I got to know Dale probably 35 years ago and stuff and uh, love him. And, 
you know, one of the great things about living still in Baton Rouge is I get to see him still often talk to him. And, uh, you know, when I have an hour or so to relax and I can listen to him, <laughs> you, know, he, you know, but tell me about, you know, I think he's very iconic as a coach. You know, he's, he's a brand. He's a, you know, he's just, just an amazing human being, forget a coach. And what did you learn from him, uh, having played for him and then coach with him? I tell you, uh, the thing I like most, I have a picture hanging in my office, uh, standing uh, next to John Wooden. And I'm pictured with uh, Coach Wooden on there, and we were out in California um, at his apartment at the time. And Coach used to go out there and spend a lot of time um, with Coach Wooden during the summers. I was uh, fortunate enough to go out with him a couple of times. And, and so what I learned from Coach Brown, he did not mind reaching out uh, to people. Uh, that he felt had a lot of answers in, 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 in trying to pick their brain. And, and Coach never act as though that he had all the answers. He spent a lot of time during the offseason trying to find a Norman Vincent Peel or a, um, a John Wooden or, or some other uh, coaching legend or some motivational person that he felt that he could uh, pull from and have an opportunity to uh, implement whatever it was into his team that allowed them to have success. So during the off season, he certainly uh, would spend a lot of time. So it's one of the things to learn from him, don't be afraid to reach out. So when I had a chance to hire a guy like a Brendan Sir, who had a great deal of experience uh, out there and, and, and uh, had an unbelievable resume and wasn't hesitant about doing it, a lot of that came from Coach Dale Brown uh, because of the fact he always talked about how you surround yourself with, with, with key people and people that have some strengths and some abilities um, that will help you uh, along the way. So uh, when, when those kind of things happen, uh, I was very fortunate uh, to be around him. Then the family atmosphere, the family environment uh, that he teaches and that he preaches all the time about how important it is uh, for you to get to know the player, the person, the families uh, that's around it, especially if you want your business or your team to be the best that they can possibly be. I certainly learned that from him. So that's one of the things that we preach and teach early on, uh, more so than plays and, and schemes, is this trying to get to know people. And then you try and implement the other things because one way or the other really don't work if guys are really not on the same page and caring about each other. So that was something else uh, that was real key, uh, certainly, that I learned from uh, Coach Brown. And then just treating people the right way and that being like you want to treat people the way that you would want to be treated or you wanted someone to treat your child. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was really big in that. Um, Brendan, and, and those some of the things that I've taken from him and I've cherished the rest of my life and will continue to do uh, along my uh, as long as I'm coaching. You know, he's a great storyteller. And my God, whenever I talk to him, uh, you know, he might have told me the story two or three times, but every time he tells it, I love it even more, you know, and he's just a wonderful storyteller, but, you know, and, and a motivator. And I think you really learned that also or picked that up. You didn't learn it, but picked it up from him because I think you're the same way. You, you can really tell terrific stories. And that's, frankly, that's the best way of teaching through stories, parables, whatever you want to say. And I, I think you have a real gift for that. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, I, when we deal with so many young coaches today or people that come to you, Johnny, say, hey, I want to get in coaching. I want to be like you. 
and they almost want to, they say, well, I want to be the a head coach right away. But, you know, you know, you didn't skip any steps. Uh, you know, you went from playing to being an assistant coach and you, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, you really paid your dues, you know, being at LSU for 13 years. And then, you know, you went to Memphis as an assistant, became the head coach, but, and then went even to Alabama as an assistant. Talk about the importance of, for, and, and also what an assistant coach, the role of an, a great assistant should be to assist the head coach. Well, I can tell you, you know, one, and, and, and I'm glad you said it, missing these steps, but I, I felt like when I first got started, uh, I, I certainly did. And I thought it was, um, uh, I won't say tough early on, but I had to learn a lot because uh, a lot of people have to go through some stages. I was fortunate to be at one at the right place at the right time and had done the right things really along the way uh, that allowed Coach Brown to, to trust me. In, 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 in saying that, because a lot of times guys uh, get to go through either high school or working at a, a elementary school or somewhere where they have to uh, take a team and they have to start coaching and implementing an offense or defense and doing some administrative things along the way uh, to try and help programs build it. And then they grow from the ground up. So I was kind of thrown in the fire in a sense, because that first year that I was out there uh, on the road, heck, I was uh in the middle of, uh, of, of coaching a, uh, in, in Division basketball or recruiting against some of the Giants out there. And I certainly got a, a few knots and bumps and bruises along the way uh, on my head <laughs> at the same time, but I was, I was very fortunate. But uh, I, I'm glad that I did. But uh, So I don't think that there's a level that you can get in that's certainly too low because I think it gives you a great opportunity for learning experience wherever you are to be able to utilize that um, when, when you get that opportunity to start coaching. But I've always been fortunate uh, to have really good people uh, around me, never been afraid to, to hire uh, coaches who were uh, – some people think, you know, guys are just good recruiters and that's what you're looking for. But uh, you look for the whole package, uh, really, in guys and, and how they're going to implement and, and uh, impact your team on the floor. How are these guys going to get along – uh, really with your players? Do they understand the importance uh, and the role that they have an opportunity to, to, to play uh, as an assistant coach and in that role and picking guys up? Uh, are guys serious and excited about where they are or are they utilizing your position for a stepping stone um, and, and, and not really entrenched? I've had so many times, uh, a couple of times, I won't say so many, uh, when guys were so worried about who was getting fired at some other job uh, that they probably weren't doing the best job that they could uh, in the place that they were, uh, you know, at the same time. So I think uh, big time at PR, you really got to focus on the job that you have at hand uh, to give your team uh, that you're coaching with the best opportunity uh, really to be successful. And at the same time, when you're doing that, always try to get to whatever clinic that you possibly can during the off season. Uh, if you had an AU event or whatever, picking someone's brain or whatever uh, to make sure that you're getting as much information as you possibly can. So when that time come uh, that you can be the best that you can possibly be and in, in, in that you're prepared. And once you get there, don't stop. Uh, I think it's important that you spend that off season continuing to, 
to try to grow in, in being around great voices and, and people that, um, that, that love and are passionate about the game, uh, that you will have an opportunity to learn as much as you can so you can infuse whatever program that you're blessed and fortunate enough to be a part of, be it junior high school or Division One basketball. Yeah, no, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I've uh, really observed uh, with a lot of uh, coaches now, uh, you know, that, you know, work with us at Coaching You is that uh, the assistant coaches, you know, they, they, they really look in, John, almost for the results or the outcome rather than the process of serving and, and, and what they have to do and what they have to learn. And they they end up focusing so much on recruiting, which is a you know, the lifeline of every college program. But I tell them when you do become a, if you do become a head coach, you better know what the hell you're doing. So you might not get a, a lot of chances to coach as an assistant, but you better know what you're doing. So when you get that chance, you don't fall on your face. And, and so, you know, the, uh, as you emphasize the, the part of being a t- continuous learner and learning, in your extra time, your spare time, because we found out as assistant coaches, you know, you really only 10% of your job is actually basketball. You know, it's academics, it's, you know, you know, the, the recruiting process is scouting all those things, you know, and making sure that the kid's right. The head coach only gets to spend, you know, somewhere between 17 and 25% of his time on really basketball. You're a CEO of a major company, really. And uh, it, it's it's not what you might think it's going to be. Uh, when you became the head coach at North Texas, did you – this is a question that Chuck Daly used to ask. Uh, I remember he asked it to Doc Rivers when he interviewed him to take his spot with the Orlando Magic. He said, Doc, are you ready to be a head coach? Doc said, absolutely. He had never coached before in his life. He was a TV <laughs> announcer. And Chuck said, you think you are, but you're not. And, and, and uh, you know, but, you know, when you were – you'd been an assistant, you know, for, you know, almost, almost 20 – or in, as a coach, almost for – Maybe almost twenty years or eighteen years, probably by the time you get the North Texas job. Absolutely, I was at LSU for thirteen years, and um, then I was at the University of Memphis for uh, uh, two years um, as an assistant coach prior to taking over as the uh, interim head coach for right. the University of Alabama for a year. Did, and, now, uh, so, yeah. So, did you um, think you were ready, John, when you went to North Texas? Well, what I was fortunate, and, and I got to, I was thrown in the fire there at the University of Memphis. Uh-huh. Uh, I had pursued the um, head coaching job at LSU right. uh, back in 97 when Coach Brown retired. And maybe uh, at that point, uh, may not have been uh, where I needed to be uh, at that level. But once I got to the University of uh, Memphis and under a different uh, head coach and, and then been able to take the things that I'd learned, uh, you know, from, from Dale Brown and, and then been there with Tick Price at the University of, of uh, Memphis, uh, those things meant something. So after serving in that capacity as interim head coach for that year, I felt that, you know, we had it. We'd won a lot of games. We'd won more games than it had the year before. Sure. I got to the, the semifinals of the uh, uh, conference uh uh, tournament mm-hmm. uh, as well and uh, won six of our last seven games or something like that so a lot of great things wind up happening for us uh, Brendan and, and, and the uh, 
during that time. So I, I was thought that I was ready uh, because Good. I had served in that capacity and then working with Mark Godfrey for only a year there. And uh, he allowed me to have a little bit of hands on uh, with the program and the things that he allowed you know, us to do uh, certainly uh, meant a lot. So certainly uh, was ready, you know, at that time. I think uh, if I had gotten a job back in 97 at LSU, it would have been more about trial and error uh, at that time because I had not had a sure. chance to take over at the rings. But at the same time, I would have done what I did at North Texas. I tried to hire someone who was highly qualified and who had uh, been through the rings before. And if I couldn't find a, a Brendan Sir or someone like that, dude, I'd have certainly been looking for uh, to come and be on board to share in a, a part of uh, the transition that you obviously go through. But when I got to North Texas, one of the things I did was hired a guy who used to be a head coach at a junior college. And then I hired uh, Alvin Brooks, who had been division one head coach at university of uh, Houston right. uh, as well. So I was trying to surround myself with the right people, which I think today uh, still is important. You know, I'm fortunate today now with the experience that I have, I was able to bring on board two former guys who had, who had played for me, uh, who has passion for the game. One who played for me at Memphis, the other played for me at North Texas. And then I brought in, uh, you know, someone else that had had coaching experience as well. And I've been in the business for a long time, but I still uh, love having uh, people around me that you certainly can bounce things off of and, and sit around with and that, that have a really good understanding that not think exactly just like you, but you guys can certainly go in a room and try and make sure that you figure it out. And when you come out of that room, you may be agree to disagree, but at the same time, you're on the same page in cordons. And uh, I think that's what I've been blessed to have over the, the years that I've been able to uh, serve in the capacity as a head coach. Yeah, I think, you know, you're a huge, you know, knowing you so well, you're a huge football fan as I am. And uh, and I, I, I've learned so much from football coaches and talking to them and watching the way they organize their staffs. And I think I've always felt that they're way ahead of basketball guys as far as, you know, understanding how to delegate and stuff. And the idea that a head coach paid a ton of money in football would delegate all of his offensive plays to a coordinator and all of his defenses to a defensive coordinator is kind of amazing. And, uh, but I think, you know, the way they run practices and stuff. Now we have players that play both ways. So it's a big difference. Uh, but you know, I think, you know, you know, you've, you've really, uh, observed that and watched that. But when, when you went out, uh, with after we finished at LSU, when you went out uh, a year ago and served with Eric Musselman, uh, one of your former assistants at Nevada, as his associate head coach, uh, you know, now seeing one of your assistants as a head coach, watching him in a different role, wh wh that was probably a little bit eye opening for you too, right? Yeah, oh, certainly, yeah. Uh, but it was the best thing that happened for me because it was someone that I had worked with before sure. in a different capacity, and I uh, like you, um, your your background in in the NBA and in your passion for the game and your knowledge. That's what Eric had, you know, when he came to us. So me being familiar with his uh, head coaching experience and had been a college assistant coach, the transition was going to be um, exactly how much, you know, obviously you want to put on his plate, how um, involved, you know, obviously what guys want to be. And Eric, unfortunate, jumped in there and really wanted to be involved. He he wanted to be a a, a key component in, in, in figuring in terms of what we were doing in all aspects of it in terms of 
recruiting and, and on the floor coaching and, and all those things, which was a, a big hit for me. So in the transition and going out there, uh, he allowed me to kind of have some hands on uh, in the recruiting and uh, whatever we were doing basketball wise and, and serving in that capacity and role on the floor and coaching and scouting and, and getting back out there doing scouting reports and all those things <laughs> uh, with this guy. So uh it, it, it was good and a, and a great experience for me. And then watching his method, his style of coaching uh, was really good. And it was something that I was able to pull from. And even after coaching as a head coach for the number of years, 16, 17 years or whatever at the time, and being assistant, assistant all those years, learning from a guy and sitting in the capacity and, and being able to serve him at that time, able to implement some of those things into this program. So they say that old saying, um, Brendan, when you when you uh, think that you know it all and you're through learning, uh, that, that you're through, I, I certainly believe that because I was able to go out last year and then, and then pick up a lot of nuggets and a lot of positive things uh, watching Eric coach uh, as a head coach in the capacity uh, there and serving him uh, there at University of Nevada last year. Yeah, no, no. And I, I think it, it's, it keeps your mind young when you keep learning and it stimulates your thinking. And I always say to people, I don't want to tell you how to coach. I want to just to think about what you're doing and it's to get even more confirmation about things you're doing. I think that's so important to people. Uh, when you got your dream job at LSU coming from North Texas, you're getting a chance, even though you're from the Western part of Louisiana, from DeRitter, basically going to Baton Rouge was almost like coming home. What was the what was your mindset in getting that job and coming home? Well, I can tell you, Brent, I, I left there and I'd been gone for 15 years and I'd served in the capacity of a head coach there at University of North Texas for 11 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I initially left LSU, uh, that was it, you know, man, you got to get back there and, and that's going to be your spot. So, uh, the job opened, uh, again, uh, after I had been serving as a head coach at North Texas, I had an opportunity to interview for the job at LSU and they wind up hiring Trent Johnson, um, mm -hmm. at the time and, uh, who's an incredible guy, tremendous basketball coach, have a great deal of respect for him. And, uh, he was certainly the right guy, you know, for that job. Uh, at the time. And after that, I started getting interviews at some other places at other um, at division one schools and power five uh, schools. And so my interest of, of being a head coach was being in the right spot and being it there in Texas, wherever. So when the next opportunity came for LSU, I thought it was a great fit because I'd uh, been fortunate enough to have success at North Texas. I was able to turn some jobs down that I didn't have an interest in when people had showed interest in us because of my love for where I was. Mm -hmm. uh, so when uh, the opportunity came for LSU, it was an opportunity to go home. My parents, uh, my mom was uh, still living uh, at the time and uh, my wife was from Baton Rouge and, and uh, it was an opportunity for me to go and try and uh, put my uh, footprint or mark there at LSU and try to impact some lives in, in a different way. So uh, it was a little bit different uh, feeling uh, in going back there from when I initially left because of the experience that I had gained the 15 years that I was gone. Mm -hmm. So I knew I was prepared and I knew I was ready from the success that I had other places, but I know going home, there's going to be some managing things 
off the floor that was going to have to handle uh, as well as on the floor. And again, uh, surrounded myself with the right people, great core uh, coaches uh, as well. And very fortunate that we had some uh, success uh, through the years. And unfortunately, that last year after big turnover and sent an X amount of guys to the pros, uh, things really, uh, you know, didn't end like you certainly uh, would like, uh, but that's part of the, the game, actually, that we're in and then not having a chance to um, get better through another recruiting period after having the young guys that we had. I was disappointing, uh, but you just roll up your sleeves, move on, and uh, take advantage of your next situation. But I can tell you this, I certainly enjoyed my time there, uh, the people that we impact, uh, and as you would always say, we had an opportunity to manage a lot of guys' dreams. We're not dream makers, as you always say, yeah, right. but we're dream managers. And we were able to do that, and uh, we see the success in guys on and off the floor uh, that had an opportunity to come in there and uh, play for us uh, during that time. You know, I think uh, when people look back on it, you know, you know, people people never look back on things immediately correctly, in my opinion, in, in politics, life, and stuff like that. But when people take a step back and they, they're going to look back on your five years here, uh, they're going to have a much different opinion than, let's say, the last three months uh, of what we went through uh, at a very unfortunate time. But, you know, the impact that you made on the program as an outsider living in Florida at the time and watching it happen, you know, I saw your team take a team like Florida who, you know, one of my best friends and Billy Donovan and just come and start to dominate them. And no one dominated Florida and could play with Kentucky with Cal's team as well as anyone in the country could. I, I, I just think that. And then when we were here, when we had Ben, you know, I can remember just kicking Kentucky's ass with Ben only having maybe seven points or 10 points or something and playing like 20 minutes in, you know, just beating the heck out of him by like 17 points on national TV. So we were there and you made an impact, but what was it like to, I mean, very few people in the world in college basketball can ever say I had the number one player in the country. You did. And, and I told you at the time, not only was he the number one player, he, he's the best, most ready-made player for the pros that I had seen in my 30-plus years of being involved with the NBA. And now when you watch him play as a dominant NBA player, I know you must be very proud. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I, I cringe when I hear people say that Ben didn't have a really good college career. I, I don't think they understand his stats or the impact that he made on his team. And until this day, if you take a guy like Keith Hornsby, who was was out for 13 games, and I think the last six or seven, six or so games uh, of his career, and he wasn't able to play at the end of the season to impact uh, his team, it, it obviously hurt. Ben not having him around because he was a key component of that team. Ben's greatest asset is his ability to to run a team. Uh, I say to this day, had Ben maybe gone to some other schools, uh, they may not have allowed him the expense or luxury uh, to play point guard. They may have had him at the four or the five spot and, and kind of pigeonholed him in a sense. We we're fortunate that uh, one, a lot of the NBA uh, sets that we ran that uh, you certainly helped with and putting him in a key positions to be a big assist guy, run the point and still average 20 points, shoot around 60% from the field, average about 12 rebounds and, and five or six assists a, a game 
um, was was miraculous, especially for that team that was injury riddled and uh, didn't have a lot of depth. And Jarrell Martin and Jordan Mickey hit for the pros and sophomores the year before that. At the same time, Ben took a team like that at LSU and had a so good at the time that we played for the conference championship at Kentucky on the last day mm-hmm. of the regular season, wind up coming in the top three teams in the league that year, and unfortunately didn't get in the NCAA tournament. So it kind of put a, a dark spot or a little bit of a cloud over the success and how successful and how dominant Ben Simmons was and, and even the program. And I don't know how many coaches or teams can come in the top three and lose to Kentucky, who's uh, uh, the premier team, obviously, in the league. And then I think uh, Texas A&M had their best team at the time. And those are the two teams that obviously finished in front of us at that time in Kentucky. And I think uh, uh, Texas A&M was really tired, uh, tied for uh, first place. But Ben is exceptional. And the thing that I like and nobody's complaining about, Ben is playing similar to how he played in college. He's not taking a lot of shots, but he's really impacting the NBA game with his ability at point, his ability to pass the basketball, create opportunities for his teammates, and he's so impactful. But nobody's really talking so much and, and being so critical about the development of his shot, those things. Ben did an excellent job of doing what he was asked to do by us, and that was to lead our team, uh, make sure he got the ball to the right people, score uh, the opportunities when it, he was uh, given those uh, chances where he uh, scored, say, what, uh, shot 60% again from the field. But he's an amazing player. So when I do have the ability or chance to watch him now, I'm so excited, really, for him and his family. Because one of the things that you told me early on, you said this guy is special, which I knew from the first time I laid eyes on him. But when he came to college and was such the dominant player in college basketball, unfortunately, media didn't give him his 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 uh, just due. Even in the league, he, they wind up uh, giving the uh, player of the year to to someone else other than him, especially how he impact our team with lesser talent or whatever that year. But he's a special guy, and uh, I think he has the ability to be a Hall of Famer uh, at the highest level and, uh, in, 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 the, uh, in, college, in, in in basketball, and that's in the NBA. And he's a special player, and uh, uh, he's got a lot of years in front of him and some special things going to happen to him, and I'm fortunate that we had an opportunity to touch him along the way. You know, John, I, I, I met with Brett Brown uh, before he played with him at Philadelphia out in the summer league in Vegas. And uh, he came and spoke at coaching you. And he said, tell me about how would you use Ben? And I said, oh, it's really simple. Use him the way Johnny used him. And his eyeballs popped open. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, didn't you watch film? I said, uh, what Johnny did is when they tried to put someone small on him, Johnny posted him up ripped him up inside, and when you put someone his size on him, put him at the point, and no one can stay in front of him. And I said, so the, it's, the blueprint has already been put out there for you, and just take advantage of what the NBA is all about. It's about mismatches, so just attack the mismatches all the time. And now as I watch, that's what's happening. And now they're actually putting T.J. McConnell in the game to oh, now to get a other player matched up on him, and some, so now a big plays him 
they can post them up, but more importantly, then they even play them at the point against the big. So they're they're really focusing on that. And no one can stay in front of him in the NBA. They talk about his shot, but no, I don't care who it is. You can't stay in front of the guy. I've never seen a guy that can take people off the dribble like that. And his shot's going to come. You know, heck, I, I mean, I've played against Magic. His first three years, he couldn't make a shot. You know, Michael couldn't make a shot for three or four years, you know, from the outside consistently. Ben doesn't even try him, you know. So is that bad? You know, the thing no. that really they should be focused on is winning. That's and that's he's as he's as good as anybody I've seen in being able to get downhill. Yeah, and I thought one of the things that we tried to stress the most was when he did not get the rebound was to run the wing and try to outlet the ball to him uh, at half court uh, and not necessarily in the middle of the floor, but uh, on the side, either side. And uh, when he could catch that thing, if we had guys rim running and shooters running to their spots on the floor, he could certainly get downhill. You couldn't stand in front of him. Uh, one, if you, you, you loaded the lane, he was going to make the right pass and the right play. If you didn't, he was going to wind up getting a, a, a dunk um, out there as well. And uh, was always making the right decisions. Did a great job of taking care of the basketball. But uh, he's a special guy. And uh, uh, I, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to Coach uh, Brett uh, Brown as well uh, during the draft process and just told him he was a special person and he would impact that league like nobody's business. Only thing I told Coach that I would never try to put him in a situation where I tried to make Make him shoot. Um, you know, I think that's going to develop, and you, he obviously can really shoot basketball, do an individual skill work. He knocks shots down all day, and at some point, he will come extremely comfortable, um, you know, shooting shots. But uh, I'll let that come because I think he can impact the game in so many ways. And him sitting out there, jumping up and shooting uh, three pointers all the time when you got people surrounding you. Uh, that experts at it. Uh, so I think Ben's one of the best in the, uh, ever to play to his strengths and not allow people to uh, try to get him to conform to trying to prove that he's doing something that he's not best at, and that's uh, relying on some of the things that he needs to continue to improve on. You know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, you're going to look back on in your incredible successful career, which is still in full blast right now, is that you're going to look back someday, well, Probably Ben's still playing and is an all-star and all-pro player. And you'll reflect on that night in Brooklyn when he's the first pick and he's shaking your hand coming, going up there to get his, you know, his hat to be the first pick in the draft. And, you know, those are th- memories and dreams that you were part of and stuff like that. So kudos and congrats to you on that because I think he's an iconic player. I think he's one of the most unique players the league's ever going to see. And you were a huge part of that, John. Well, I was very fortunate, uh, one, uh, to have a, a chance to uh, coach me. He had the, the best parents in the country, and he is well. They're very loyal and, and kid to commit that early. And then David Patrick, who was on our staff at the time, and the relationship they had, and that's what a, a lot of those things are, are, are built on. Um, and at the same time, I was fortunate I had you, obviously, in my life because, heck, I've sit there and watched these coaches all the time from Calipari to you name it, sit there in the green room. And when those guys' names are called, you've got an opportunity to extend the hand and, and get a hug prior to them walking on mm-hmm. stage. And and, on, uh, and, and and when Ben's name's called, having an opportunity to be engaged in that moment uh, certainly meant a lot. And uh, I certainly would cherish it the rest of my life because not many people have an opportunity to do that. Coaches coach forever and never have that number one player 
taken in the draft and very few people have that opportunity. So uh, that's certainly something that I certainly cherish for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to one more player at LSU. You had, you know, you had a lot of guys that went to the pros and a lot of guys that played great for you. And I know you're, you know, there's so many guys that you're proud of, but uh, a guy that, you know, you had to coach your last year there that, you know, he, he was going through a tough year, but, you know, you really kept on, kept building his confidence, and that's Antonio Blakeney, a, a kid that came in with great notoriety and stuff. And I know you're so proud of him making the Bulls. And I, I, I've always felt that, you know, you know, sure, he, you know, he might not have been a great defender and stuff like that, but I said in the NBA – you know, we we basically pay guys on how they can score, and that guy can flat out score. I know how happy you are about Antonio. Really excited about Antonio Blakeney, and one of the things about Antonio, he and Ben they had an opportunity to play together during the summer. He was Ben's kind of go-to guy a little bit uh, in a sense of uh, when he needed someone to score, Ben would create opportunities, get Antonio open, he would knock down shots. When Ben got to LSU, he had Keith Hornsby, who was an incredible player, one of the hardest worker that ever been around, and that was his guy that he would find to make plays and make shots for him, and that was obviously Blakeney's um, uh, freshman uh, freshman year as well. Uh, And until – in, in Antonio has been such a great kid and really wanting to fit in and pretty much doing what, what we're asking him to do in terms of playing his role uh, because of the services that we had with a tremendous player like Hornsby. He really came into his own at the end, unfortunately, when um, – Hornsby goes down with an injury, he becomes our leading scorer uh, at the end and the exceptional games that he had and the big nights he had. And I think he may have had a 30-point game. I think it may have been against uh, Mississippi State or someone who had another incredible player. And, and then he just made big plays down the stretch. And unfortunate uh, for us, you know, he has a huge game that first night, I think, in the, in, in the uh, SEC tournament against uh, uh, Tennessee. Uh, and then, unfortunately, uh, gets sick, has a fever, and the next night he's trying to play with 103 fever out there, and he was just unfortunately uh, drained, uh, but love him to death. He's a hard, hard worker, very passionate about what he does, and I'm so glad that he's been rewarded uh, for his hard work, and it's unfortunate. You know, we probably didn't have a, the wins uh, that we needed uh, to get him uh, the notoriety that he needed, although he's one of the top two scores in the league uh, that year, uh, but you see that his hard work has paid off, and it's paid off handsomely uh, with him being there uh, on the roster with the Chicago Bulls. John, uh so last June, when Mike Davis gets the University of Detroit job, I remember, you know, just, you know, uh, literally a week or two prior to that, you and myself and Zach Kendrick were having lunch. It's our, one of our favorite spots, Sammy's in Baton Rouge. And, and we're talking <laughs> and we're talking and uh, all of a sudden the Texas Southern job opens and you're their guy that they want and they pursue and, and you get the job. You knew from the get-go that was going to be a terrific job. What made it a, a terrific job for you? I tell you, Mike Davis and I have been friends for years. Even when we played against each other, he was there at Alabama. Mm-hmm. I was playing at LSU, and then he went off to coaching and doing his thing. And when he got the head coaching spot there at Indiana and I was at uh, North Texas, Mike was such a great 
guy and great person. This guy that's taking his team to national championship uh, game and everything, he brought his Indiana team to the University of North Texas to play. Uh, <laughs> and what an atmosphere that, that he created for us and in in, in our um, university and community there at North Texas. And that's the kind of guy he, he was. And uh, he had a kid by the name of Bracey Wright was from the area, and that certainly helped. But Mike and I have kept in touch. So when Mike had the job here at Texas Southern, we would play. Um, we would bring him to LSU, and they would come over and play. And Mike would always talk about what a great job it was here and uh, the administration and all those things. And and so when things started happening and I start hearing rumblings about the possibility of him leaving, get on the phone, we have an opportunity to talk and uh, he shared those same sentiments. And I uh, was fortunate enough uh, to get to know the um, athletic director, Dr. Charles McClellan, who's now the commissioner of the SWAC. He's no longer here as AD, yep. uh, but he was an incredible guy. So the administration was off the charts uh, here in terms of the president, uh, has, has done a tremendous job. And, and Dr. McClellan at the time, anytime you have that type of support for your men's basketball program, it speaks volumes. It sits here in the, the fourth largest media market in the country in the city of Houston. Uh, you can really recruit here. It's a great university. It's dynamic. It's only about an hour and a half. I mean, a, a mile and a half from University of Houston. So a lot of great things are happening here. So when that opportunity presented itself, I jumped at it. Now, granted, you know, I've been in, uh, grew up in Louisiana, and I actually have more family members that live in the city of Houston than I do in the state of Louisiana. Uh, so the support group having a chance to come back uh, uh, and be near uh, my hometown, one, uh, DeRitter, uh, and then have so many family members around us to support us in a great and unique situation here. And it's sitting here in the SWAC, which there are a lot of good basketball coaches, a lot of good basketball teams, a lot of great tradition. And I'm so excited to be a part of something so special here at Texas Southern University. John, you know, uh, one of the things that historically black schools and stuff in and, and schools in the SWAC is uh, to fund their programs, frankly, they have to go and play what we call in the business guarantee games. So their non-conference schedule, if you look through the entire SWAC, is filled with games against Power 5 schools to help fund their athletic programs. And, uh, you know, even Mike, with the great success he had at uh, Texas Southern, you know, they might go over, you know, in a non-conference schedule. Not a, so, you know, but that's part of the process that you have to go through. Not only do you not go over the first game out of the, you know, the gate, you beat, you know, an NCAA tournament team, a Big 12 team in Baylor. Then, then you go and beat one of the best teams in the country in, at Oregon. And then you beat, you know, just recently, Texas A&M. And I, shoot, when you and I were there, we couldn't come within 30 points of Texas A&M over there. <laughs> and man, when I saw that, I almost crashed my car. I, I was so happy for you. Uh, what was it like? Because you talk about odds against you when you go there. You know, it's eight on five. And I'm not telling you who the eight are, but it's eight on five when you go play those games. Uh, what, what feeling was that like to go and win those games? 
Well, I tell you, it, it, it's always exciting. And I've been in the position before being at the University of North Texas and have to play guarantee games. So I understand the uh, mm-hmm. landscape uh, of, of being at a school where those things have to happen. Uh, and I used to kind of cringe in a sense when I would watch, just look at Mike Davis's schedule when it come out. And uh, some of that schedule I inherited from him. And then I created some of those monster games myself. And, uh, you know, obviously playing at Gonzaga and I Iowa State and then San Diego State uh, at the early uh, part of the season uh, before going over to Arizona State and University of Georgia uh, as well and in, in, in playing those caliber teams. So uh, it's tough and it's extremely tough. But to win uh, those games, it's um, really exciting because, one, your players really want to play that schedule because the guys here want to be on that stage. They want to be in that atmosphere. No, they're not playing at those schools, but they want to challenge those guys they've played against doing AAU basketball. They've seen these coaches, which all these guys are great coaches. We've had an opportunity to play in the preseason against and, and you know, Baylor and in, in Oregon and in, uh, including uh, Texas A&M, the guys have had great deal of success in Oregon been at the final four only a, a few years ago, but the, to have that success and then being able to come back and tell these guys how important it is to work extremely hard, trust in the process, believe in the system, uh, playing with the road. We always talk about the pride, the passion, and playing with a purpose, and then you have that success. It gives you a great opportunity, and then these guys understanding that their hard work is really paying off, uh, and then you have a chance to coach your team. So that's exciting, Coach. And, and uh, couldn't be happy and really to win those games that you know that you're getting paid for. It means a lot. I used to uh, go into games when I was at LSU and I knew that we were bringing people in uh, to play and we were giving them a check. I would always be extremely tight and I'm very fortunate uh, that I, I don't think in the five years that we ever I lost one of those uh, guarantees uh, that we had. And I don't know if that was smart scheduling or good plan, uh, but I'm just <laughs> excited that uh, we never had a setback in, in one of those games and real excited that we had, had success here early on playing against some of the top teams in the country. Well, I am so happy for you. And I remember I'll treasure uh, our two years together at LSU. And I remember we used to have some long, long talks in your office and i remember you told me you you're gonna retire here not in florida and right. <laughs> and, and i said why and he said it's a great place and you're right it is a great place and i am not retired but i am thrilled to be here and you were my neighbor for a couple of years and i treasure that but more importantly johnny i i treasure our friendship and our time together you taught me a lot uh, most importantly, you teach about the game of life and about being a man and about loving your profession and the people you work with. And so my friend, my brother, I am so honored to have worked and served under you and you're one of the best in the business. Thank you, my friend. Well, Coach, thanks so much for having me on. I certainly appreciate you and uh, you know how much I love you uh, as well and great deal of respect I have for you. And you are so Great uh, to have around for those two years. And again, to learn so much. And I say, never quit learning. Uh, and you were special. And I still uh, keep a lot of those words and things that uh, that you shared with me uh, really close to my heart. And it certainly has helped impact uh, the teams that I've certainly have been a part of. And uh, look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Thanks so much for having me on. And go Tigers. Yeah, go Tigers. Yeah. That was like a little Coach O, Johnny Jones stuff. Hey, and one of the great things about uh, great head coaches 
is you marry over your heads, and you did that with <laughs> with your and you have two of the greatest young kids that are in the world, in Johnny and Jill. So, uh, so thrilled to be part of your family. Thanks, John. Thanks, Coach. Take care, man. Thanks, Johnny Jones. Wow, uh, one of my favorite people and someone that I really enjoyed my time with, learned from. I think it's important when we're doing all these interviews, people that are giving you the answers to the role of an assistant, how important it is to surround yourself as a head coach with good assistants. I think it's so, so important. Uh, But most importantly, this guy is a person that knows how to treat people. He's a people guy first. Johnny Jones, star person, star coach. Until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serrett.